This time on the Double D, we look into the deepest, darkest cellar of beer styles. Start it, start it, start it out loud. You got to have a party. It's getting dark in here. Let's get after it. Oh, yeah. Welcome to Driftless Drinks. My name is John. And my name's Gene. Strike that. Reverse it. This way, please. And my name is Mark. And today we are going to be looking at stouts. The dark ones, the squatty ones, the rich and the creamy ones. Well, maybe today's is. What are we drinking today, Mark? Today we have Bell's Kalamazoo Stout, straight out of Comstock, Michigan, on the label. It says the it's the original 1988 recipe, and then at the bottom of the label it says stout brewed with brewer's liquors. Do you know what that is, John? I actually do. I looked oh, it up. Cool. So, uh, and just as a quick side note, won't get too deep into it, but uh, brewer's licorice is exactly that. It's licorice. It's not uh, star anise or some of these uh, some of the other similar flavors. They're really using a licorice. It is apparently really tough to handle. Uh, it's, it comes in sticks just like a peppermint stick and they've got to use gloves and they got to be really careful with it. And it's supposed to impart what? some really interesting flavors, um, to darker beers. So what does it do if you touch it? it it's, it's an irritant. It's a lot like if you, uh, it, when they deal with, uh, lupulin powder, you know, the hops, the, yeah. the granular they get out of hops that, um, if they're using the powdered form of that, they have to be really careful with that too. It can actually be a very, very bad irritant. So... Oh. So you're saying this beer is irritating? <laughs> no, I'm saying that the people who made it went through some extra effort to do so. Oh. You know, kudos to those guys for being irritated while they're brewing this uh, beer. So it says, brewed and bottled by Bell's Brewery, Inc. Uh, flipping it over. Named after the city where it all began, Kalamazoo Stout is one of our most classic recipes. This smooth, full-bodied stout offers a blend of aromas and flavors of dark chocolate and freshly roasted coffee balanced with a significant hop presence. Mm, okay. Shelf life of six months. We are well within that. Uh, we're yep. about two months along with this bottle. And alcohol, 6% by volume. Puerto Rico do not litter. I say we open it. Let's open it. You ready? I'm ready. Three... Two, one. No, mine didn't make much noise. Mine didn't either. That's okay. Going for the pour. Some nice carbonation. Oh, wow. Okay, I just got a whiff as I'm pouring this. It wasn't actually all that pleasant, a whiff. But I'm not going to smell it anymore. Ever yeah. again. This no, is, no, uh, I will. I'm going to do it in a second here. This is a really thick pillow we had on this thing. I got a nice... Uh, yeah, mine came up really nice. It's, it's some beautiful carbonation on Look it. Look at that. Yeah. She's a, she's a beaut, Clark. <laughs> a couple of nice rocky island bubbles in the middle of some very uh, beautiful looking uh, smaller tiny bubbles. <laughs> yeah, it's... It's opaque, by the way. Yeah, it is very opaque, which, you know, first out, you don't expect yeah. to see much through it. Opa at, the at the very bottom of the double D pint glass, or uh, tulip glass, 
you can see just a little razor thin oh, edge yeah. of it it's as amber as the bottle it's that dark amber color color yep it's kind of cool like a slight crescent moon <laughs> all right stick a nose in it yeah all right Ooh. okay yep there's there's some chocolate there coffee yep coffee for sure that little bit of burnt malt is there i yeah. expect to get that i expect to get that on the nose too or on the taste and with a hop you know with a stout no hops even though they use plenty no i'm not picking up hops there's like a spice no. note to it almost maybe that's the <laughs> licorice thing yeah that could be yeah, it's it's nice and rich on the nose. Yes, predominantly coffee and chocolate is what I'm getting. There's a bit of caramel, just a touch. Kind of rolling it around in here. There's a very nice lacing to the foam on the edge of the glass, too. This is a very pretty beer. All right, shall we stick a thermometer in it and see where we're at? Yeah, we can do that. Time to get out the technology. All right. What say you, Inkbird? <laughs> I'm looking at Thermoworks, and I'm rocking 48. Yeah, mine's at 53. All right. We got 53. We got some good notes on the nose. All that's left to do is take a break while we take a shot for the gram. Yay. Yay. Go, Grammy. <laughs> All right. We will be back in just a moment. Clang. that picture is taken we're back uh if you want to see that by the way follow us on instagram we put the uh beer we're going to put up about a week or so ahead of time uh follow us there you can follow us on facebook and we also are on youtube if you want to see our smiling faces review beer uh we'd love to see you there so mark john we're gonna try this thing let's one two three down the hatch here we go down the, here we go Mm-hmm. Wow. Okay. First thing that comes to mind is I wish I was having this on tap right now. I get a little caramel, but that's way at the front. Like when it first hits your mouth and then it's kind of vanishes and you're left with, you know, that, that caramel and then the chocolate goes and then all you're left with is kind of that burnt flavor out of it. Yep. Burnt malt flavor. I shouldn't say it's not like the beer's not burnt. Right, right. And it's not unpleasant either. Mm. At least in my estimation. I don't think it is. I think it's kind of welcome. And it's interesting how the, it must be the hops that are playing against that, that kind of accentuate it mm -hmm. on the end. Yeah, well, you know, that's that's true. I think that's, that's driving it. A lot of these stouts have really good hop additions that are meant to balance out the sweetness that'll come with some of these roasted malt. Um, and they usually do a pretty good job. This one's drinking almost like a like a slightly sweet Irish dry stout. Yep. Yeah, there's not much for sweetness. Like you <laughs> had noticed a little bit of caramel on on the front of it, and I mm -hmm. I can't get it. 
it goes right from chocolate to dark chocolate to uh, burnt malt to hop. That's kind of how it layers on my, which again, not unpleasant yeah. at all. This is a very, I think a classic example of an American stout that's been highly hopped. Um, but man, it really, it, it goes through the gears pretty quick. <laughs> yeah, it isn't, it isn't, it doesn't linger. It doesn't really lollygag at all. It's man, it's good. Here, here's what I got. Take it. Yeah. I, it, it is really good. I can see somebody though, if you're not used to a stout, I can see this being a hard entry to deal with. You know, if you're just not used to the style, you're not used to what's going to sure. come at you. That I, I, I think this is probably not the most accessible stout I've had. I, th- I think you're right. Like, as a foray into stouts, I think you would probably want something that was balanced a little bit more with some sweetness in it. Mm-hmm. That's just my estimation. I do have kind of a sweet tooth, so I might be wrong there. But that being said, if you're looking like this is fairly rich, robust, and it has, you know, two or three very distinct flavors in it. And with that mm-hmm. hot presence really props up the, that kind of burnt malt or heavily roasted malt. Yeah. And it's got a, you know, the mouthfeel on it is it's really dry, but not, I mean, it's not like Guinness dry. Yeah. And it's not it, chalky either. No, not at all. So I, I think if you're going to, you know, so I think if you were going to pair this, because, you know, that's kind of, that's kind of where the industry's going is towards, you know, food pairings that, I mean, you're probably looking at, you know, some kind of something else that's sharp, like, you know, a, a sharp cheese, like a cheddar or something, or yeah. something that's going to have, that's going to complement well with coffee. Like just, you know, like, okay, low hanging fruit, like a coffee cake, Ooh, you know? Yeah. And then something rich, savory. Yeah. 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 And then if you're going to have, and then this would actually go really well with some kind of a game meat and, you know, it, not you know it, without having game meat in front of you with you know if you don't have access to venison or something like that or you don't live don't feel like you know, killing something that morning yeah yeah you know or yeah we'll forget long pork uh if you don't <laughs> sorry um yeah so you you could go for something like you know a, a lamb or something like that go for like you know and like char it like you know grilled lamb or something something on the barbecue that's going to get a little bit of of the smoky burntness to it this is going to go really well those those two things i think are going to play nicely yeah first thing that comes to my mind is like a heavy cheese yeah yeah it's like some extra super sharp cheddar something really rich creamy flaky kind of uh cheddar but you know it's it's funny that you bring up food pairings because i was on the website here and oh, yeah. uh, let me cruise through there because they actually do have food pairings with this one on that, and I appreciate oh, that cool. out of uh, out of Bell's for for doing that because I, there's not a lot of uh, breweries that are latching onto that idea. But I think that's really mm-hmm. the next evolution of beer is that whole how do we serve this with meals and make it a little more accessible? Because like so many beers come out that are so big, huge, rich, bold that it makes it hard to sometimes find a good match for something to eat with it. I digress. Let's go back to the website here because they do have food pairings uh, about halfway down the page here. So let's see Let's see if you nailed this. So it says uh, food pairings, savory, uh, venison and lamb burgers. Dude, okay, so they're like reading your mind. Um, but a lamb burger actually sounds amazing. Oh, and you're that right, does if sound you could, good. Kind of flash that on the edges, get it nice and charred. Mm. Oh yeah, 
oysters, black olives, gouda. Oh. Okay, gouda. Gouda. All right. So I, I, man, but I, I, yeah, sharp, sharp cheddar. A good seven-year-old satori. Yeah. There yes. you go. That's what yeah, we yeah, want. Yeah, 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 yeah. Where did I leave off? Gouda. Oh, gouda pist- cheese. Yeah. Pistachios. That's interesting. Uh, pistachios, almonds, or teriyaki. Okay. Hmm. Actually, teriyaki would be really interesting. I kind of like the way that's. Um, yeah. And then it also has uh, sweet, where it says dark chocolate. Okay. Mm-hmm. And nutty desserts. Yeah, like a coffee cake. Yeah, there you go. I'm all right. Okay. Not too not too far off there. Maybe like one of those chocolate turtles. So they they also have uh, tasting notes on here. Let me just roll through this too real quick. Chocolate mild coffee roasted. I wouldn't. Yeah, I don't know. It's, I wouldn't necessarily say mild. But. No. Well, okay, so it doesn't taste like they added coffee. Correct. And I think that a lot of that tackiness on the back end, now that I'm thinking about it, I bet that's coming from the licorice. I bet think that's so? what's driving it. Yeah, I, I bet that's what's driving it. Because if you ever had licorice from, like, the Amana colonies, even hardcore black licorice fans can have trouble with it because it will just kind of, like, you know, suck your face inside of itself. <laughs> and But it's delicious. It's really good. Uh, so that's kind of the flavor that I'm getting off of my tongue and off of the mouthfeel of this thing at, at the very end. Sure. There's no licorice flavor to it, which is also, or we should say that out loud. So shall we let this sit for a little while, uh, take a break, and when we come back, I'll talk a little bit about the different styles of stouts that are out there. Sure. And it, Real quick, and then we'll take another temp reading and see if this has changed at all. Sounds groovy. Cool. Ding. All right. We are back here on Driftless Drinks, the stout, the definitive stout episode. And, uh, John, you wanted to, uh, you had some information about different styles of stouts, I believe, right? So if you remember last episode, 305, on porters, uh, porters were brewed in London um, around, you know, 1722. I remember Ralph Harwood. Remember that whole thing? Yeah. So thank you, right. Ralph Harwood. Thank you, Ralph Harwood. <laughs> so uh, that's when Porter started, and then almost a hundred years later, in, in 1817, the uh, roasting kiln was developed, and that allowed them to roast malt instead of uh, roast grains, as well as malt. And what ended up happening is two different porters came forward one was a pale porter and the other one was a stout porter and that stout porter was just a porter that was more uh that was heavier and more alcoholic well eventually we just <laughs> started calling those stouts i was gonna say i had a uncle like that but <laughs> i think i did too so so that's where we get stouts from it was just this heavier darker version of porters and um so the, one of the first one, first types that came up was the dry Irish. And really that was because they were trying to dodge the English uh, tax bill on roasting and malting mm. because that became popular enough. And they said, okay, we're gonna skip the, the, uh, the malt because it was malted grains that were um, taxed. And so instead they said, well, okay, we're gonna roast the grains. And what you came out, came out with was something that was uh, more bitter had a roasty flavor to it. It was thin. It was, you know, fairly drinkable. Um, that really took off more in Ireland than England, 
because during World War One, the power was in so in, in such short, short supply that they couldn't run uh, their roasting kilns efficiently. Mm. But they didn't have that problem problem in Ireland, so it kind of flourished there. And then, of course, Guinness starts brewing it, and it kind of takes off. So there, you have the dry Irish stouts, which if you've had Guinness, you've had a dry Irish stout. This Kalamazoo reminds me a little bit of that, except it has some notes that are a little, in my mind, a touch sweeter. The sweet stouts, uh, also called milk stouts, that's the second kind that you'll come across. Uh, they have the addition of lactose in it, so you get something that's you know even heavier and it's sweet. And at the time that this, those came out, there was this big nutrition craze. And so they were saying, well, this is a nutritious stout because we've got milk in it. Well, they didn't have milk, they had lactose, just milk sugar. Yeah. Right. Got it. So yeah. let me guess, this leads mm-hmm. into oatmeal stouts also. Yeah, exactly. Because that whole nutritious beer craze. Yeah, exactly. And that's that's where they came from, is that, that nutritious beer craze. So uh, oatmeal stouts, you're adding literally oatmeal to it. And that's giving something that's going to be a little creamier without using the lactose and is going to give this nutty flavor. Really like oatmeal stouts. I think that's a good place to start if you're going to get into stouts. Because the oatmeals are very friendly. Yeah, I do as well. And they're very, very soft on the palate, which for me, mouthfeel is a big thing. So they they sit wonderfully on your Mm -hmm. palate. Yeah. And then there's some... So if you go deeply into the roasting and you're really looking at... uh, If you take a stout and you're grabbing all this super roasty stuff, uh, what you can make is this really high-end version of a stout. And that's what they would call a foreign stout. And... The reason they called it is because it was an extra stout, so it was something that had a lot more ingredients in it and became a luxury item. So what they would do is they would actually sell that overseas, so it became a foreign stout. So it wasn't that it was foreign because it was coming in; it was foreign because they were selling it um, in a in a to foreign countries, hmm. right? And so that's it's a lot more assertively roasty. There's a lot more coffee and chocolate and burnt grain flavor to the to those stouts, right? And then you've got an imperial stout which is a lot like a a foreign stout, but it's gonna have a higher ABV. Um, There are some that are really dry Irish stouts that just have this high ABV, and that was meant to travel with. And so you'll hear things like a Russian Imperial Stout. There's a whole story, which is actually hyperbole, I found out, sadly. Oh, boo, because that's a great story. Yeah, about sending it up, up you know, it had to have a high enough alcohol volume to make it to Russia for the the Zarina up there, that not, actually true but the high abv and the fact that it was roasty allowed it to age for a long time it would survive that um imperial starts are a great thing to save for a year so that they're really cool uh and they can have uh, a lot of flavors that are similar to you know a foreign stout or an extra stout except that you probably get some more dark fruit notes out of those and it used to be that that was a key ingredient to those stouts it's kind of gone to the wayside now um and then, of course, you've got the American Stout. American Stout is really kind of a catch-all term. Uh, in the U.S., we do a lot of different things with stouts. We add mm. vanilla. We, you know, we'll add. Um, there was one really weird ingredient that um, that Odell's is adding now to to it, and I didn't even recognize the name of it. And so they'll put all of these different flavors, banana, you know, that kind of thing, into these stouts. Peanut butter. Peanut butter. Yeah. Oh yeah. Peanut butter stouts are big. But the the core I'm for is, a macadamia stout. That's that would be good. Oh, yeah, be good. Can somebody please right. make me a macadamia stout? That would be that awesome. would be 
that would be awesome. Yeah, I'd be, I'd totally be into that. Yeah. So yeah, so American stouts are, you know, they, they use a lot of roasted malt and barley in it, and they're bringing a lot of the uh, the caramel flavors forward. By the way, some of that information, uh, I, I got a lot of that came from a number of different sources, but uh, there's a great uh, video on YouTube if you're into stouts. You can watch just the little, the first half of the video to learn about stouts, and the last half about how to make them uh, from Lindsay Cornish, who is uh, from 3-4 Brewing out of Fort Collins. Uh, she does a beautiful video that they did for um, Craft Beer and Brewing uh, for that channel about stouts. And it's I'll, I'll put a link in the uh, show notes uh, so that you can check that out. I think my first, I mean, if you want to reminisce quickly, I think sure. my first foray into stouts was an oatmeal stout. It was Gray's oatmeal stout in probably oh, yeah. like 94, 95? No, mm -hmm. 95, 96. It opens your eyes to flavor profiles in beer that you can get with much darker roast profiles or darker malt profiles, right? Where you can get mm -hmm. some sweetness or some breadiness or some chocolate to it. And so the Gray's Oatmeal is kind of my gateway into stouts. To this day, my favorite style is, well, there are two of them. The Oatmeal Stout, I will always have a soft spot for Samuel Smith's Oatmeal Stout. That beer to me is amazing. What they oh, can yeah. do with four ingredients or five ingredients, I guess. Um, mm -hmm. But uh, the other one is the Imperial Stouts that you were talking about. And there are still a handful of breweries that make amazing uh, imperial stouts that still do carry that dark plummy fruit note to them and one of which is founders their imperial mm -hmm. stuff to me is very very good the other one is north coast brewings Rasputin, old Rasputin. that one will mm -hmm. always have a place in the fridge yeah and actually stouts for me that was the very first beer i had was a stout but i had it in so this would have been back in 19 you were drinking at eight years old john uh i'm so that's that's pretty badass so, no wonder why you got a great beard i'm so damn old no <laughs> so no it was so my buddy uh it was my buddy jason he had his father brewed and he was a grain brewer and is back in the time when like nobody was doing it it just yeah. you know home brewing it hadn't been legal for even 10 years by the time he started yeah and, when did jimmy carter signed that bill at the end of yep. the 70s right yeah, I think it was 78. So yeah. yeah. And and so he, but that was the first beer that, you know, um, Jason said, hey, let's let's grab one of his. And so he snuck it out and he found one, he pulled one out and cracked it open. I must've had like, I don't know, maybe about four ounces of it. It wasn't much. It was so good. It was rich. It was creamy. Yeah. It was, it was just amazing. And that kind of got me started on you know what a good beer is and so that's one of the reasons that you know i always gravitated towards uh towards the craft brew and you know not long after that i started making my own it was a few years because i had to come of age but you know was it long <laughs> after that that i started making it and uh you know the the stouts are not difficult if you get the if you get the right ingredients if you're doing it from extract it's pretty easy to do it and you can really develop some beautiful flavors with a beer that can sit for a long time. It can age well. It's really forgiving. Typically in the upper Midwest, we all grow up with like either Miller or Bud and its derivatives. And so when you have something else like that, it just, especially at a sort of young-ish age, 
Not that either of us were doing things illegally nope. Nope. for the time we were of age here. Nope. Um, but <laughs> it really blows your mind. Like it, it opens your mind up to this whole new world of like that. That's to me that was the coolest thing about the the initial golden age of craft beers, like in the in the nineties and stuff. Was like, holy cow! People are bringing back these recipes that were long forgotten and just barely held on to scraps of these things. You know throughout the uh the uh like the industrial age beer boom where like not the industrial but like the post-war beer Mm -hmm. boom where like brewers were just basically throwing whatever into beers because they're like ah nobody's drinking based off of taste anymore and you know you you can thank home brewers that have gone abroad and brought back recipes from europe and held on to them until home brewing was legal in the 70s and then then things just the arrow pointed up from there it's awesome mm-hmm. to see that we have so many choices people are still expanding the boundaries of what beers can do although some of them go a little too far but we can talk about that somewhere else but like man it's it's just so cool to see what you can do with a handful of ingredients mm-hmm. in a mash ton so the question is if you make a beer like kalamazoo stout does it get better as it warms up i don't know should we find out Let's find out. For science! Into the thermometer we go. Pulling out the ink bird. I'm all the way up to like 62, dude. I'm at 57. So it's gone up almost 10 degrees here. It's at 48 before, right? Yeah, and I was at 52. And I'm at 62 now. Is that what we should write. Said? Yeah, we should write this down sometime. We should. <laughs> so we remember what the hell we were at. <laughs> yeah. oh, There's so many things we should be taking notes on, but it's just the whole premise yeah. of this podcast is just like, let's have a beer and talk about it. Cool. Yeah, let's talk about it. And then Take I get a break. Let's talk. Yeah, this let's talk history lecture. for a while. Yeah. <laughs> Jeez. I just complicate things. All right. <laughs> it's, it's like, you know, if, if it's not worth doing, you know, it's because it wasn't worth complicating. That's why. <laughs> <laughs> Stick a nose in it. Mm-hmm. Didn't change, but slightly mellower. I think I'm starting to smell that licorice. Uh, really? I'm getting more, bit more. I'm getting a lot more coffee now. There is a ton of that too, but oh man. Yep. Now it really is starting to tack up as it warms. Uh, all right. I, I take a pull. I already did. Okay. I got greedy. Sorry. I'm in. Yeah. Goes. It just dries the tongue right up. Yep. She's a touch buckery at the end. Boy. Okay, yeah. So burnt, the burnt flavor's there, and that licorice, that's there now. Yeah. That's it's an totally aftertaste. For me. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's an aftertaste. It's not right away, not on the tongue. It's not a licorice beer, but. This is what would make a big cheddar so good to go with this, I think. Oh, yeah. I just, I, I can feel the handshake of a good melty aged cheddar in your mouth right at the end of this beer. Mm-hmm. I'm hungry. Let's go eat. <laughs> All right. All right. So before we go grab some grub, uh, Mark, 30 seconds. Final thoughts? Coffee, dark chocolate. Initially, there was a hot pop at the end, and now I'm starting to get the licorice taste. 
Very good. I would love to try this with a big sweet dessert or a nice big chunk of cheddar. I think that's the only thing missing for me right now. Very good brew. I think this is a really nice example of an American stout. It really is. It really does taste like a dry stout mixed with an American stout to me. So it's got some of those those sweeter notes, but they're just the the finish is just dry, and that's what you're going to be left right. with is is the that dry that dry note. Still way pleasant. If you're used to stouts, this is just a fun one to sit down with. Uh, full disclosure: I did pour a bottle of this into my chili uh, mm. about a week ago. Uh, because I always add a Guinness, didn't have Guinness, had one of these, put yeah. this in instead, worked beautifully. Nice. So feel feel free to cook with it if you you buy a six and you decide, eh, it's iffy, cook with it. It'll, awesome. it'll do you well. That sounds delicious, so. by the way. Driftless Drink Studio Recording, courtesy of HPJ Studios in Tolo, Wisconsin. Be sure to subscribe and rate us wherever you get your podcasts, and like us on Facebook and Instagram, where we feature each episode's brews a week or so ahead of time. Visit us at driftlessdrinks.com where you can comment on each episode, and drink along with us on the Driftless Drinks YouTube channel. Well, that's it for this episode of Driftless Drinks. My name is John. My name is Mark. And keep a cold one handy for us. Yep, short and stouty. good oh thanks sorry i didn't i didn't mean to interrupt you i just had to cough (laughs) that was well executed that was beautiful i I just i got caught off guard by the light i was like (laughs) (laughs) i I am so squirrel (laughs) shiny thing Holy shit, beer!